Welcome back to the DK Steelers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined by my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. We've got a lot to talk about today. Dale was at the stadium yesterday for Steelers training camp practice. It was, it was an interesting one. And Dale wrote up a big story, basically kind of about like where the Steelers are right now after training camp, how Ben's doing, who's the standouts, sort of a review of just what we've seen. Dale, first of all, how you doing? Second of all, you're, 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 we're finally getting a full sense of who the Steelers are right now. Let us know what you think are some of the biggest takeaways you have after kind of taking a step back and looking at the big picture of where they're going. Well, you know, I think uh, people are going to see a, first of all, much different offense uh, from the Steelers from a year ago. Uh, that's obvious. Uh, just with the return of Ben Roethlisberger, that was something that was, uh, you know, the, the obviously the biggest question coming into this camp, what was he going to look like coming back off of that elbow surgery? He looks fine. He looks great. He's motivated. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Um, you know, I, I think you're going to see Roethlisberger come out very motivated this year. Uh, to do well and, and to lead this football team, and I think he's got uh, the skill the skill players to do so. Um, you know, I, I think you know the addition of Chase Claypool uh, is going to be a big one. Um, you know, I, I know people look at this and say, "Well, you know, Mike Tomlin doesn't play rookies," or Mike Tomlin, you know, he, he's he's eased a lot of these guys in. I don't see Chase Claypool easing into anything here. Um, if you follow the the practice report. He has been mentioned, I think we're up to 17 practice reports, pool reports now, and he has been mentioned in 16 of those. Mm. Uh, so, and prominently, uh, you know, you can see Chase Claypool news on every single one of those. And I would add that in many cases, it's Chase Claypool catching a pass from Ben Roethlisberger, or it's Chase Claypool beating Joe Hayden, or Chase Claypool beating uh, Steven Nelson. There's a lot of those kind of things on there. Uh, Chase Claypool catching a touchdown pass nearly every day uh, yeah. from somebody, you know, so he's going to be, he's going to be a, a, a featured player in this offense. Um, there's even some uh, notes. If you, if you're paying attention, uh, for example, uh, you know, Armo Armar Darbo today on an end around uh, scored a touchdown in the, in the uh, seven shots. Uh, I can tell you that Armar Darbo is not the only guy who has been used in that fashion uh, in this offense uh, that we're seeing here. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be an, an interesting offense. We'll see how they use all these wide receivers. They have obviously a bunch of guys with different skill sets. Um, it, it's going to be, a, a, I think, a very interesting year for the Steelers. I think interesting is definitely a good way to put it because everyone was talking about Randy Feekner after this offseason. Now, granted, you and I both acknowledge a lot of that was just people being upset because the quarterbacks play stunk and they, and they didn't want to blame the players on the field. Cause a lot of people have an easier time blaming the coaches. Um, but it does, it does appear just from the reports, like you're seeing more of those end around type plays. You're seeing a little bit more wrinkles thrown in. Do you, th how much do you attribute this to Ben coming back after a year off and kind of having more, maybe more ideas or more input in the offense. Cause he said that, you know, sitting with a headset was a big part of it. How much do you attribute to that or to just them getting more time to think about things or, you know, Matt Canada being the quarterback's coach, like 
there's a lot of different angles for how the different level of creativity that we may be about to see with the Steelers offense. These things have always been in the Steelers offense. Uh, you yeah. know, just for, you know, people are going to look at this and say, well, look, Matt Canada brought all this stuff in here. He brought some of it. There's no doubt. He didn't bring all of this. You know, Deontay Johnson had eight carries last year. You know, they, they used receivers to carry the football. You know, you can remember uh, Martavis Bryant uh, would carry the ball in end arounds quite a bit. Very true. Uh, this is not – these are not new things in this offense. So, uh, the things have always been there. I think they, they want to accentuate some of those things to, uh, uh, you know, to uh, possibly add some, you know, deception to the offense. Um, and, and so, it, there's a little bit of everything there. You can see kind of – everybody's fingers in the pie here. And this, this is not something new again for the, for the Steelers, uh, you know, to do this. They, they've always used a lot of input from the assistant coaches. The thing that you have to look at uh, from last year, uh, not only, you know, did, did the Steelers lose Ben Roethlisberger, uh, they lost Mike Munchak in the off season. Yeah. And, yeah. and while I, you know, yes, you know, I, I, I downplayed the fact, okay, they, they lost him. And I thought, okay, Sean Surrett as a coach is going to, you know, work with these guys the same way. They're going to do the same drills. They're going to do all these things. Uh, they had a first-year offensive line coach in Sean Surrett. Probably wasn't ready to, you know, necessarily give his input into the game plan on a daily basis. They had a new running back, a so first-year running back coach, True. and Eddie Faulkner, who wasn't probably wasn't ready to give all of his input into the, into the offense. And, oh, by the way, their wide receivers coach, died before the season started mm -hmm. so you know if if you're trying to build that pie or, or build that offense and you're taking input you're in randy feature and you're taking input from everybody but everybody around you is basically a new guy where's the input coming from you know what i mean so you, you can you can blame randy finkner for last year all that you want but he had essentially an entirely new coaching staff working under him which doesn't happen for the Steelers they very rarely have that kind of turnover but that's exactly what they went through last year right now that's very good insight and, and, and several very good points about Feekner and what he had to deal with because you're right in those meeting rooms like you know we often talk about the meeting rooms where the players are sitting with their with their coordinators and their position coaches and talking about what they got to do but before that even happens those position coaches have to sit down with the coordinators and the head coach and be like hey you know, this is what we could do. This is what we can plan on. And you're right. If they're if they're getting so used to, hey, I, I need to learn who these guys are. Hey, I need to know what these guys can do and learn how to push these guys to just simply execute the plan that that's being put out here before they can go sit down and say, OK, now I know who I'm dealing with. Now I have relationships with these guys. And now I also know what's being asked of me as far as what the scheme is. Now I can say, OK, what if we throw this wrinkle in? Because I know that this guy is good at this kind of stuff. And I know that he reacts better to these type of concepts. That's stuff that definitely I can see being left out, especially from the offensive line, especially from a receiver position. I mean, you know, as much as people want to get, you know, crack down on Juju and Deontay and James Washington for, for, for not, none of them getting a thousand yards last year. I mean, we all know that the, 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 the quarterback problem was the, was the root of all that. But like you said, Daryl Drake passed away in the middle of training camp. And, and, and even beyond the factor of, I believe it was Ray Sherman coming in to replace him as the interim wide receivers coach, the shock of that. And 
the guy that you were looking forward to doing that the entire year with not being there, like every time you sat down in that meeting room, that had to have an impact on you just because you think about, man, he's not here. Um, and now, and again, you're getting a guy who knew he was in there temporarily. So it's not, it's not nearly the same. So, I mean, and, and you know, and now, and now they've got Ike Hilliard in there who's, you know, working, working on that. So, I mean, they still have a new wide receivers coach working on these type of situations, but I think it's very interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I, I felt like even with the quarterback situation, like the, I, I wasn't, I wasn't banging the drum to get rid of Randy Feekner. I was just like, this guy, he had the number one red zone offense in 2018 with an offense that, that didn't get Le'Veon Bell like it thought it would at any point in the season. I would give him the benefit of the doubt and see how he does when he has his quarterback there. Yeah, I agree. Just don't tell that to the Kanger on our website. Shout out to the Kanger who always is coming so to go hard for for Dale in the in, in the comment section. I've seen, I've, I've seen, I've seen. Trust me. We're gonna cut to a quick break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about a huge move that happened last night in NFL. Right after this. Here on the DK Steelers podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter, with my friend and co-host, Dale Lolly. Dale, news, it didn't take long after he cleared waivers. Leonard Fournette is officially a Tampa Bay Buccaneer for a one-year deal. This means their offense is going to feature, you've got Tom Brady at quarterback, you've got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, and now Leonard Fournette. And Ronald Jones II can now sit behind him. This is now an offense that everyone's kind of looking at like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. This is one of those kind of offenses that I would put together in Madden. Like, you know, it's like like if you if you had the Buccaneers and you were just just doing crazy things with the computer, let me just see if I can do this. Oh, let me trade. Let me let me sign this free agent. Oh, let's just see. Oh, let me, yeah, put this guy. Okay, now we have a, a Madden team of football cards. You know, it's just – it seems so crazy that in a season, Tom Brady went from Julian Edelman and whoever their other backup receivers were in James White to now some of the biggest names in football are all around it. Yeah, I'm not sold that the Gronkowski is going to be any major factor this year. Uh, and, and I think Brady is certainly on the downside. Uh, he is not the quarterback he was even a couple of years ago. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting offense, and they've got a good defense there. This move made a lot of sense. I mean, they just, you know, they didn't have a running back capable of carrying the load. You mentioned Ronald Jones. They, they went out and, and got uh, Vaughn uh, uh, from Vanderbilt in the offseason as well. Yeah. They drafted him. Um, you know, he wasn't one of my favorite backs in this draft. So they kind of really ignored the running back position Um you know, in the off season, and now they, they go out there and they get uh, Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, th this shows why, though, that this, he wasn't coming to Pittsburgh at any time, not that the Steelers were interested in him, uh, but he got $3.5 million this year to go to, 
to go play for the Buccaneers and the Steelers weren't going to pay him that money. They weren't going to be able to give him that kind of money. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the NFC South, um, New Orleans and, and, and Tampa Bay are really in it. They're, they're all in on this year. They both got, you know, quarterbacks over 40 years old. Um, you know, it's, it's winter or, or you're done. Uh, so this was a move that, uh, that makes sense for the Buccaneers. Uh, we'll see if it works out for them. We'll see if Fournette can get in there and quickly uh, assimilate himself to that offense. Now, what's really interesting about that offense is that, uh, you know, I, I follow John Ledyard, who, you know, he used to cover the Steelers. He's, he's done a lot of draft work over the years. But he works for Pewter Report, and he covers the Buccaneers. And he says from his evaluation of how their training camp is going that LaShawn McCoy has actually outperformed Vaughn. But he's, his, his point is, do you really – keep a veteran that's that old and shot like LaShawn McCoy who's not going to be super effective to, to, to get rid of a rookie like that. Cause he's, he brought up their, their running back room is this Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones, LaShawn McCoy, Dare Ogunbowale, Kishon Vaughn and Raymond Calais, you know, Calais obviously being, being out, but I mean, LaShawn McCoy, the pit product, uh, I mean, it looks like he might have to be the guy to go, to, to go if you're going to keep four running backs. Cause I, I don't think, you know, most teams wouldn't keep five. Um, but you know, it's just, it's crazy how fast the NFL moves. Cause LaShawn McCoy is probably thinking, okay, I've got the third spot locked down and then nope. Now this guy comes in, bumps everything down or, you know, he probably thought he had the second spot locked down and now it bumps everything down. And now the Buccaneers got to make tough choices. Um, it just, it just seems like it's a, it's a, it's a crazy move that's going to, you know, it, you know, provide a lot of a lot of fanfare right now. But you and I talk about this with the Jaguars. Just buying players doesn't just result in automatic success. No, it doesn't. You know, you got a bunch of uh, you know new faces there, and that doesn't always mesh real well. Or sometimes it takes some time. And you know, in this season, that's the one thing that you you don't have a lot of. Obviously, the the thing that you need to look at when you're looking at that that running back running back depth chart for for Tampa Bay. Who's playing special teams out of that group? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because nobody ever looks at that. Nobody ever says, well, you know, we're going to keep these, these five backs. Teams don't always keep the five best running backs on their roster. Guys who are, who also, who, who are the best at running the football, oftentimes you're keeping your top two running backs, maybe three, and then that last, uh, last spot or the last two guys are guys who can help you on special teams. And so if, if you can't help on special teams – like a Shady McCoy, he's not going to go play special teams. Ronald Jones isn't going to play special teams. Then those guys don't make the roster. You know, you, you know what? That's a very good point. I mean, that's how Trey Edmonds made the roster last year for the Steelers, and then he ended up, uh, I think, intercepting a fake punt in the you know not too, not too long ago. So um, that's a very that's a very good point, and just an observation that I think that's, that that comes from your experience there, as far as you know who makes rosters and whatnot. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how that balances out because, you know, I, I, I was talking to Wesley Euler, our, our buddy at Steel Nation Radio, about the Buccaneers defense. He feels like Devin White is coming around for that team and that the Buccaneers could be a threat in the NFC South. I'm with you. I, I still view the Saints as the dominant force in that, in that, in that division. Um, and honestly, you know, I'm not putting the Buccaneers just automatically above you know, the, the, the Panthers in that division, uh, you know, I'm not putting them. I am. The Panthers you, are going to stink. You think the Panthers are going to be that bad? Oh, they're going to be awful. They're going to be, they're finishing last in that division. 
You think so? I just, I don't, I just, I just can see the big names in Tampa Bay. They might win a couple games early, and then things start to go get crazy, and then there's drama coming out of the camp, and then all this stuff. And I, I can see the. the see, I think it's going to go the other. Here's the thing. I think it's going to go the other way. Okay. Um, you got the, the Saints had very little turnover in the offseason. Mm-hmm. They're kind of like the Steelers and mm-hmm. that everything is the same. They're coming back, same coaching staff. You know, everything's been in place. Whereas the Buccaneers had a lot of turnover, a lot of new faces. You know, Brady talked about, you know, early in this, in, in this process, you know, he's learning their offense. Uh, he's learning how to play with, with the, you know, all these new players. It could take them a few, you know, a few games before they get their feet under them. Maybe they drop one or two of those games, and, and that could be the difference in who wins that division and who does not, and who has home field advantage in the, in the uh, NFC playoffs and who does not. Certainly, certainly. I think that, that could definitely be uh, an interesting point there. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the NFC playoffs. Who are, who are – you know, we talk about the Saints. Who are the other teams you have being serious players in the NFC? I mean, obviously the Niners are a team that everyone talks about. But I just – I feel weird about the Niners. Like, I just – I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think that that offense might cause more problems uh, than people say. I really believe in their defense. Bosa is the, is the real deal. Fred, Fred Wagner is the real deal. Um, or Fred Warner, excuse me. Uh, Richard Sherman's still there, and he's performing. Um, but I just – I feel like there's, there's got to be other teams out there that are going to make a push and really shake things up in the NFC, at least to make it an interesting run to the playoffs. I think I like Dallas and Philly in the uh, in the East. I think those are you know two quality teams. I think the entire a, uh, NFC North is, is garbage. Uh, Minnesota is going to take a big step backwards this year um, with with some of the things that they gave away in the offseason. Uh, their entire secondary, uh, some you know some of the other guys like Everson Griffin, and, and I look at. Green Bay, as they played way over their heads last year as a 13-3 and team, they were not that good. Uh, they're more of a 9-7 and type team, and I think you'll see that kind of return to the, to the norm this year. I think they, they, they probably still win what's a bad division. And then you look at that NFC West, and, you know, San Francisco could get the Super Bowl hangover, the, the Super Bowl runner-up hangover. Um, you know, Seattle's a good football team. Uh, the Rams are kind of a – uh, you know, they're, they're kind of star heavy and then the depth isn't really great, but I think there's, there's still a dangerous football team and the Cardinals are a dangerous football team. So it's, 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 it's going to be interesting in the NFC. I think, you know, if you look at it, there, there might be uh, maybe a little more depth in the AFC this year than there is in the NFC. I think you get the saints, the saints are a good football team. I think the bucks are a good football team. I think the Cowboys are a pretty good football team. Um, you know, the Eagles have suffered some offensive line losses early in, in this season before we've even started playing that might uh, derail them a little bit. Um, but, you know, when I look at the AFC, I mean, you look at the two teams at the top uh, in Kansas City and Baltimore. Uh, we know they're good football teams. I think the Steelers are right there in that discussion. I think the Colts are a nice football team. The Titans, are, there's some good football teams across the league. But I think, I think the balance of power is starting to shift back to the AFC. And, and as it does, you know, the balance of power never stays in one conference. Um, um, I, I'm interested to see how Tampa Bay works with with uh, with their with their new playing cards that they got there because they they've just shifted so much there. And I, I agree with you on Gronkowski. He is a name, and he is a future Hall of Famer at the tight end position. 
but we all saw that he was not the same Gronkowski in 20 in 2018 um and uh you know when, when they when they beat the Rams that was no uh you know that, that that was no you know yeah and he made a big play in that in that Super Bowl but we saw going throughout that season he was beat up he was it was rough for him um and maybe the year off you know, maybe gave him a little bit of clearance, but he's still not going to be the same Gronkowski of old that we saw that we're, that we're used to dominating everywhere. And, you know, I, I'm confident that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin can still get down for them. But, you know, I still got to see how Leonard Fournette does there, how, it, how, how he does if they start losing, how Tom Brady does if they start losing, um, and just how everything is put together. It's just, it seems, seems like a big risk as far as my part, uh, you know, and how this can play out. And, and it's one of those situations, like we just talked about with the Jaguars, you brought all those pieces together. This could quickly implode. Like even if they make a, say they make a big playoff push this year, maybe they lose in the NFC championship the way the Jaguars lost in the AFC championship in 2017. And then, you know, Brady's like, yeah, I'm done here or I'm retiring. And then Gronkowski's gone. And then Fournette's a free agent. And then, and then you're just back to the drawing board entirely. And, you know, and like they do, again, they do have young pieces like Devin White, who I think could, you know, will develop into really good NFL players. But man, I just, this is a situation where the Buccaneers are putting a lot of stakes, a lot, a lot of chips to, to winning right now. And it's weird to do that when you're not coming from a position of strength. Like, you know, if the Saints loaded up for right now, I get it. The Steelers, I get it. You know, the Chiefs, I get it. But the Buccaneers, they had a lot of questions to answer. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they're able to assert themselves in the NFC uh, with you. said, like, as you said, there's a lot of question marks. But I'm with you. I do think Dallas is going to be a really good player this season. I wonder how Mike McCarthy leads them differently than Jason Garrett. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how they fix that defense a little bit. They had some, some uh, defections there, Byron Jones and some others. So, uh, it's gonna be uh, gonna be a fun season. I can't wait. Absolutely, I can't wait either. We're less than two weeks away, people. Actually, today's Thursday. We're a week away from the season opener, and uh, that that's that's truly exciting. So we'll be back tomorrow, finishing out the week for the DK Steelers podcast. Dale, thanks so much for joining. Don't go away, listeners. I still got to get started because y'all got me started, and it's about to be. Don't get me started on the DK Steelers podcast right after this. Welcome back to the DK Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter, and you're listening to Don't Get Me Started. Don't get me started about the way Steelers fans are downplaying Lamar Jackson. This is kind of a reverse psychology don't get me started, because I'm going to end up in a way that's trying to help you out, Steelers fans. But it's going to sound like I'm trying to bash you over the head. And I'm not, but I'm trying to help you avoid creating a, digging a hole for yourself in, a, in, in sports conversations. So let's talk about Lamar Jackson. He's been the butt of a lot of jokes over, over the past few years. Everyone said he's a running back, not a quarterback. Those jokes still persist. Even Dale says them, and, and I get it. But here's a few things here. One, if you followed me my entire time at DKPittsburghSports.com, you know I wrote about Deshaun Jackson years ago. 
before he was even drafted, saying that this guy could be really dangerous in the NFL if put in a system where he had some weapons around him, and that it would behoove the Steelers to add him to their roster. They didn't. He goes to the Ravens. In the past two years, he's been in the playoffs. The Steelers haven't. Now, he hasn't won a playoff game, and I agree that he has flaws to his game. But he was the NFL MVP, and he is the biggest reason John Harbaugh still has a job, because reportedly, he was on his way out. But here's my thing, Steelers fans. I get that Lamar Jackson runs a lot. I get that there are parts of his game that you can poke fun at. But why do we really want to? Here's the here's here's my deal here. This Steelers team, this defense, this the off this resurrected offense with Ben Roethlisberger. Say they are all that you hope that they are. They're one of the best offenses, they're one of the best defenses. They're lighting it up. But because we spent all this time tearing down Lamar Jackson and saying, "Yeah, he's not really that good." We're adding to the arguments that people are going to use on the back end to try and delegitimize the Steelers. And I'm telling you this from experience because I remember so many times people saying, ah, I mean, you just beat the Cardinals. They weren't a big deal. They, I mean, they weren't even that good, really. Ah, you, you beat Joe Flacco in his rookie year. Yeah, that wasn't a big deal. Ah, you, you beat Matt Hasselbeck. Who cares? I mean, so what if they were the number one? team team in the league. What's what they have this, the highest scoring offense in the league with Sean Alexander. People will find ways to play down the Steelers' success. Just look at what happens in the Hall of Fame. It takes so much work to get a Steeler in the Hall of Fame. A player like Donnie Shell, who's up there among the, the most interceptions of all time, and hit like a Mack truck, and was a four-time Super Bowl champion. It took him until this past Hall of Fame class to get him in the Hall of Fame. It took Lynn Swan and John Stallworth, one of the greatest duos at wide receiver in NFL history. It took them a long time to get in the Hall of Fame. We, we see all the time the downplaying of the Steelers' successes, even when they're good during the season. Ah, you know, they just beat these guys. There's an opportunity here for the Steelers to go into this season, play very well, dominate the AFC North, and roll into the playoffs. And in doing so, if they do that, they would knock off the two consecutive time, the back-to-back -back AFC North champion, the Baltimore Ravens, led by NFL MVP Lamar Jackson. Now, I think that Lamar Jackson's not going to have another MVP-type season this year, but I think he's going to still have a very good one. I'm higher on Lamar Jackson than most. I pointed out, I was pointing out, hey, this guy knows defenses. He knows how to dissect people. He just does it in different ways. And he can still do it with his arm. I was, I was bringing it up then. And it's okay that he's doing it for the Ravens now. I'm happy for him. Go ahead, do your thing. But I still think the Steelers can be the team that shut him down. Yeah, I, you, you listen to to how, the, how they talk about how they contain mobile quarterbacks and who it just it just gets you excited. Because that's something that they work on. And over the years, they've, it's something they've usually done well when they've had the roster personnel to do it. You know, there were years where Terrell Pryor diced them up with the Raiders and a few things happened like that. But that was when the defense was getting older. They were transitioning guys out and they were finding new pieces. This ain't that. This is a lot of dudes are in their prime or really young. 
This is Cam Hayward in his prime. This is Stephon Tewitt coming into his prime. This is T.J. Watt at 25. This is Bud Dupree in his prime. This is Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson looking really good. This is Micah Fitzpatrick being a, a, a baby. This is Devin Bush, a baby. He's 22 years old. They've got so many pieces that can handle mobile quarterbacks. And not just mobile quarterbacks, but athletic mobile quarterbacks. Because you can be mobile. Patrick Mahomes is mobile. But his 40-yard dash time was the same as Peyton Manning. Like, eventually Patrick Mahomes is going to become Peyton Manning. He's going to be a lot more stationary. Lamar Jackson, though, right now, he's that kind of a threat. And I'm telling you, the Steelers are in a really good position to overthrow him and the Ravens this year. And when they do, would it not be better if Steelers fans would be like, hey, Lamar Jackson, we respect that guy. He's a heck of a ball player. He's you know, he, he's a heck of a talent. He's one of the best in the NFL. But he's not better than the Steelers. Just think about that. But if you play him down, the Steelers beat you, you beat him, and then you're going to feel, as a Steelers fan, be honest with yourself. The Steelers, say they beat the Ravens. Say they sweep the Ravens. They beat them at home and in Baltimore. Without fans, who cares? They sweep the Ravens. You're going to feel really good about that. You're going to look and say, yeah, Lamar Jackson, what's up? But then you turn around and say, see, yeah, the Steelers swept the Ravens. They're, they're a really good team. This team's meant for something this year. And everyone's going to be like, so what? And then say the Steelers go on and make it to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. And, you know, they have huge success in the playoffs, whether, whether, you know, regardless of the actual result. They, they, they make a big run this year, and you're like, yeah, this was a, a really good year for the Steelers. And then people are like, well, who was in your division? The Browns? The Bengals? And Lamar Jackson, who you say he's not a real quarterback? You had no real opponents. You're feeding into these narratives. You don't need to feed into those narratives. And I'm not saying go around and praise Lamar Jackson everywhere you go. I'm not saying hold up signs saying Lamar Jackson is, is, is the Jesus of quarterbacks. I'm not saying do all that. All I'm saying is that you don't need to bash him every, every time. Let his successes be his successes. Let his failures be his failures. But when it comes to playing the Steelers, they beat him. It would be so much more of an accomplishment if everyone's like, yeah, we just beat one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the NFL. And it it adds so much to the argument when you when you when you as a fan can can acknowledge that. You know, as as a writer, I've, I've I acknowledge when a lot of players that the Steelers go up against, uh, you know, are, are are very good. I acknowledge when some of the Steelers are bad. But when you acknowledge those actual strengths and weaknesses, and then you make your argument about as to why you think this team should be regarded in a much higher respect, you help yourself so much in those conversations. But when you ignore it, when you play it down, when you act like, yeah, no, he's not that good. It hurts. It hurts your, your future arguments about how great of a team this could be. I mean, think about it. I mean, imagine if you if like the 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 anti Ray Lewis rhetoric was that he was a murderer, this, that, and the third, or that that was never proven, so I, I always tell people to actually pipe down with that. But when it comes to Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and and, and Haloti Nada and Terrell Suggs, when the Steelers banged with those guys, when it was rivalry time especially in those late 2000s when it was just slobber knocker football, just hits here, big plays there, just crushing everything in sight. When the Steelers won those games, it was that mutual respect. They didn't like each other, but they respected each other. 
And as Steelers fans, you're going to do yourselves a lot more favor when you can step, sit around, when you're, going, when you're at work, when you're on the job, and you're saying, you know what, yeah, those Ravens are some bad dudes. But so are the team that I root for. And when you talk that way, you'll give yourself more room so that after that week's over or after the season's over, when you're like, see, they took out the Ravens, who we were paying respect to. And that's going to add to their legacy. I really think, y'all, this could be a special year for the Steelers if just a few things click the right way and a few and and the, and the right guys stay healthy. And if and if you if, if you feed into the narrative, I'm saying feed the narrative that Lamar's the man. Feed it. Let him be the man. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you know what you say about it. he's still he's still gonna play. But when you play him, if he beats you, he beats you. That means hey, that means he's actually that good. But if you beat him, you want the world to know that he was at his best you want to know that that was a true opponent that you beat a, a great football team that's why you always hear coaches say you know that was a good football team we beat today or that's a good football team in that other locker room they play that stuff up why because what sense does it make to downplay things like that it doesn't now not that you're a competitor yourself you're a fan i get it but there's no need to feed into this narrative that's going to hurt you down the line if the steelers do exactly what you want them to do and then you're turning around saying, well, wait a minute, did they actually beat anybody? Stop playing down their biggest rivals and the two-time AFC North champions, even though they haven't won a playoff game with Lamar Jackson. I do agree that there's some problems there. But you're doing yourself a disservice because I'm telling you, if the Steelers team is what we think it is, and they go and they go that far in the playoffs, or go to the Super Bowl, or win the Super Bowl, it's so much better. One of the reasons the 70 Steelers are so highly regarded are because of the teams that they beat to get there. Everyone respects those Oakland Raiders teams they beat. People even respect those Oilers teams with Bill Pastorini and Earl Campbell. You got to respect the Ken Anderson Bengals even. The work that they would put in sometimes. The Orange Crush Broncos. The 70s Cowboys with Roger Staubach. The Purple People Eaters. The Vikings see that they beat in Super Bowl IX. Even heck, Jack, Jack Youngblood and those Rams in Super Bowl fourteen. When you build up those legends, when your team beats them, those legends add to that legend of your team. Do that now. Let them have that narrative. Don't smack it down. Build it up. And then, when the Steelers prove you prove everyone right, you can do what I said you're going to do the last to don't get me started. You're going to say, we told you so. We told you so. You'll have that much more strength in that argument. I'm telling you, this is thinking down the line. I know I got a law degree. This, ain't, uh, this, this is some thinking down the line stuff right here. Let them, let them, let them pipe up Lamar Jackson. Let them pipe up everyone that the Steelers face, because then when the Steelers crush them, then you could go back and say, "Oh no, 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 no! You said that these guys were really good, and the Steelers are better than them. So then, what do you think of the Steelers?" So when they try to downplay the Steelers' success and say, "Ah, you know, they don't really deserve as much credit this year," you're like, "No, no, no, no! We all talked about it. this guy was the man, and they took down the man. So that makes them the man. So don't feed into those narratives." Don't get me started. And y'all got me started.
here on the DK Steelers podcast. If you agree with what I'm saying, if you disagree with what I'm saying, either way, hit me up on Twitter, at Carter Critiques. I feel you if you disagree and say, hey, it's cool. This is the whole point of this is to start conversation. Hit me up at, at Carter Critiques. If you follow me, I'll follow you back. You can DM me. You can at me. You can do all those different things. If you want to keep it private, that's totally fine. Down to have these discussions. I have discussions with fans all the time. I just had a live cues on the site yesterday. Go check that out. Go check out Dale's story about how training camp and the big picture of what the, where the Steelers are. A lot of great stuff there. Go check out some of my pit coverage about the new tr- pit transfer wide receiver they got from Maryland and the fresh, the true freshman they got that Pat Narduzzi thinks looks like Antonio Brown. Check all that out. We got a lot of great stuff for you here. Uh, please go on the podcast. Go on and go go look us up. Subscribe to us if you're not. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, e- everywhere podcasts are hosted. Leave us a five star review and a positive comment. That stuff really helps us get the word out about the show. We're building up some great shows here. We've got Alex and Noah doing the baseball. We've got DK bringing the daily shot. We've got Dale and I bringing the Steelers. We've got so much great content as far as the podcast. So much great content as far as the writing and the video with Morning Java. We're all over the place here at DKPittsburghSports.com. We're so thankful to have you. We'll be back tomorrow finishing out the week for the Friday DK Steelers podcast. See you then.